you're very welcome to the Far Coast Perth in the season podcast for the 2017-18 Hyundai A-League season. Um, myself, Blaine and Donna are here to have a chat. We've survived the last nine months. Not everybody has. But uh, how you doing, Blaine? Yeah, good. Interesting. Um, it all kind of finished in a um, very Blaise downward spiral, didn't it? Of Blaise of Glorious. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting, not interesting, it was just a really weird end to the season. It was a very much a... For us maybe, but not really for Donna. Donna had a great end to the season. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Apologies. Also in victory world, so... um, But look, we are going to have a look at the Gaelic Grand Final later on, um, but there's just too much glory stuff to talk about. We were meant to record this podcast about a week ago, and then we were meant to record it about two weeks ago. And then stuff kept hitting the fan so we said no we'll let the dust settle and then get it get together and uh, and have a have a chat about what's unfolded so we're going to kick things off by looking at the end of the season um for glory the last few games last few weeks few results they they put together a bit of a late run of form and um, it wasn't ultimately enough to make it to the finals and as we know kenny Lowe subsequently uh, lost his job as head coach but blaine taking the raw figures glory went dropped from fifth to eighth in the space of 12 months. They conceded 50 goals for second season running. They lost the second most amount of games, which was 15. Top score failed to hit double figures, and they only kept four clean sheets. Now, if you take them as, as raw numbers, it paints a pretty dreadful p- picture um, for, for a side that you tipped <laughs> to finish in the top two. You keep bringing this up, you keep bringing this up. This may be the last time I bring it up. Boy, nah. what went wrong? Oh, well, uh, you know, um, retrospectively, a lot went wrong. Uh, clearly, by those figures, um, yeah, it just just simply wasn't good enough all round. And I think that was the. If you do look through those figures, I think any football fan with half a brain can say that it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't acceptable to the fans, and clearly, it wasn't acceptable um, for the board in terms of Kenny um, keeping his position. Um, it was his side. I don't think there's any real excuses. Um, he he put the side together. He had what was called a preseason with the guys. Um, we didn't see much of it, and um, we saw too much of it. That was part of the problem. So well, playing NPL teams every week. Well, yeah. Well, that might have been the issue, but um, certainly wasn't fitness wise. We we never we never really started, um, and then we we do our yearly um, quick run to the finals, finish you know, bottom half of mid table, and we try and call it a success and quite frankly I think um, the fans and quite, uh, you know honestly myself have, have had enough of the mediocrity. Donna, a lot of well, a lot of people have pointed to the fact that Glory were a bit shafted by the by the schedule with so many tough away games to start the season there was also injury problems with, uh, with playing plenty of players for example Adam Tiger finished the top goal score but we didn't really see him too much until um, yeah. towards the back end of the season but how much weight do you give in, in those um, in those claims of, of you know glory being hard done by or is it just an excuse and maybe not making finals is, is really a blessing in disguise and something that needed to happen to provoke a bit of change? I think for the first few times that you hear about the schedule you like you agree with them and uh, you know it's hard and tough and whatnot. But um the, all the injuries has nothing to do with the schedule at the start of the season. Everyone was getting injured in the first few weeks. So that comes down to a preseason. It doesn't come down to anything else. Just for our listeners there, I think um, <laughs> Massimo is getting a little bit upset with the glory season in the background too. 
obviously dad's got hold of him before mum did yeah and he's not even in the in the room <laughs> so i'm glad you guys can it's, hear it's the mere aura of Pretoria yeah um mind. so the schedule yes i'm sure it does have a toll um on the players but i think it'd have less of a toll if their strength and conditioning um was up to scratch and they had a pre-season and they stopped with the whole you know for instance castro is one of the big ones doesn't train doesn't pre-season and then all of a sudden comes in you know just before the season's going to start and then something happens and and then you hear Tony saying you know the schedule and whatnot and now he wants to take glory to Asia so what about that schedule <laughs> so it just kind of counteracts oh, you don't know what to believe at the end of the day he had a very good squad um, that could have done something they obviously mismanaged um, and that's all it comes down to I think you know as great as a character Kenny is that doesn't win you a championship so no, I think I think the bottom line is that Kenny had four and a half years, which is quite a long time in this day and age when you have delivered nothing really. I mean, you can point to the FFA Cup finals, absolutely, um, and he and, and they were they were nice and all, but didn't win anything. Um, he he also came in on the back of the salary cap debacle, which well, he was he was he had his feet under table for the first year of that, but then it's picked up to pieces subsequently once it all unfolded. Tough situation for somebody who well probably didn't have anything to do with it. Um, so, you know, you had to give him a little bit of leeway. Well, that was 2015, it's 2018 now, and we've still uh, seen Laurie huff and puff. I mean, look, they got they made it through one finals game last year, it's nice and all, but it's, it's still since, uh, it's 2012 was the last time we had a home final um, in Perth. So that was the, the, the Todd Eric goal against um, Wellington Phoenix at MIB. That was the last time we had it. It's, it. it's so vivid in memory because it's the last one that we had, uh, even though it's six years ago. So look, those sort of things need to change. There needs to be a top four finish. Um, we talk about growing the game. Well, getting home finals is, is a great way to grow the game and getting people in through the door. And we just haven't seen it. Uh, it's me- mediocrity uh, personified, uh, especially to go from fifth to eighth. I mean, that's a regression, uh, a pretty bad regression in the 10-team league. And ultimately, there has to be consequences for going backwards. And I think after, if Kenny Love had been a year and a half into his tenure, probably could have been a bit more forgiving and said, look, let's give him another season and see how he goes next year. But after four and a half years, um, my patience had just worn a little bit thin. Uh, again, everybody points back to the decent bloke thing. And it absolutely is. Interviews were great, even if they, they wore very thin after a while or when results weren't being delivered. I just think it had run its course, and that was my main reason for wanting it. Nothing to do with Kenny Lowe's bloke, nothing to do with um, really where I thought he could take the team next year because I didn't even consider where he could go next year. To me, it's just about needing a change and freshen up um, the, the coaching, and, and that's the road, road they're going down now. We also saw the uh, resignation of Chief Executive Officer Peter Philopoulos after three years uh, in the job, almost three years. Now, Blaine, this is um this is an interesting one because we've heard a lot about how, how much work Peter has done behind the scenes and a lot of that has been very evident in terms of numbers and in terms of relations with fans and, and just being a, a nice guy who's a football man, fantastic. But he's gone now and we're back to where we were a few years ago with John Boardman in as the uh, interim CEO. He was there for six months last time. We're at a pretty critical period in terms of having to recruit a new coach and sign a squad. Are you okay with uh, with players being signed and, and decisions being made by one an outgoing CEO or two an interim CEO or are they even making decisions at all and it's gone straight to the top? Yeah, well, I think that um, a lot of the signings actually happened probably from Jacob Burns and the football department side of things. Um, but in saying that, um, 
yeah, it's a bit of an odd one signing these guys without a coach. You don't know who it's going to be. You don't know what kind of system they're going to play. You don't know what personalities are going to come in and out. And no, but I do, I do take the, the point that has been made, and I, I agree with it, that um, the A-League is very much a... Players are a contract every year, and, play, and, and they get left in limbo. You probably couldn't say to the likes of Shane Lowry and Alex Grant, let's hold on until August until we get a coach and oh they'd be snapped up they'd be gone yeah so I think there's a few no-brainers that they've signed and to be honest the players and we will go through the, the list of players um, shortly but the players that have been kept on and um, that weren't already under contract I can't really argue with too many of them so I think I think they've done okay in that regard but yeah it, it's, it's interesting that if they do bring in a coach possibly from overseas who doesn't really know the league and doesn't know any of these players he's going to look at them and go I don't know, these aren't my players, how am I going to work with them? So maybe that we understand your options in recruitment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 100% agree. Um, and I mean, there was even talk when we signed um, Kilkenny, you know, what would happen if we happen to think that, um, you know, um, Joyce from Melbourne City happened to, happened to be the, um, you know, decent enough candidate when they have a fallout, you know, as I said, proper worst case scenario. Um, it's just in this league you really have to jump on these guys and get your as you said your no-brainer players Alex Grant and and Lowry and and so forth but as as Lowry said on podcast earlier in the year um, it does put these players um, lives in limbo you know with with families and um, expenses like we all have yeah sure so the players that have been released so far um, John Mills Bit of a surprise there. The only the only justification I can put in for that is that he's a visa player, and they probably wanted to explore different options than a left back. Yep. Um, so that probably counted against him. Jeremy Walker, I've no issues with that. Um, a lot of people say keep him on as a squad player, but I don't really think he offered much when he played. So for me, it just it was a, it, I guess it was a marmite sign. Um, he either loved him or he didn't want him, and um, yeah, I'm kind of not my fuss that Andrew. <laughs> You know, Andrea didn't set the world alight. Everybody thought he was going to come in and be a really good um, player in there with Torres being mates um, with, him, with him and Castro. Um, but he, he was he was dubbed by maybe the human traffic cone. He, he really didn't, <laughs> didn't do anything in the season. Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But he just didn't offer anything. That's why he's not been kept on. And then the bone of contention. The bone of contention. Adam Taggart. Donna, what the hell is going on there? Adam Taggart, gone to Brisbane Roar. Top mm. goal scorer, as mentioned previously, with nine goals. Probably frustrated that he spent more time on the bench towards the end of the season than he Absolutely. would have liked when he was fit. For me, I think he should have started more games with Andy Kell because Kell plays better with a, with a direct partner uh, and rather than being isolated as a lone striker. And, uh, and Taggart scored a couple of important goals towards the end, but they weren't able to keep hold. Yeah, I think that was... I was a little bit shocked by that one, but also... It was half-half. There was a lot of rumours that he he was leaving, uh, so it wasn't a hidden fact that he was exploring his options. Um, there's, there's things about Taggart that I love, and then there's things that I don't, and sometimes I, I feel that he's a bit of a brat, a spoiled little brat, and I don't mean this in a personal way. It's that you speak to you know other clubs and players that have played with him, and a lot of people have the same tone about him. Um, but also in saying that, he's, he was great. He was a great... When he was out there, he did his job. So, and that's what you want from someone at his age. Yes, he's, you know, um, had a few injuries and whatnot. But again, he sat on the bench when he was fully fit. And, you know, there was players out there playing with broken toes and that weren't fit. 
and then you've got someone out there that can possibly, you know, score you, well, not possibly, will score you a couple of goals and make the team better. Um, so I think they did it to themselves by leaving him on the bench. I think that would have sat, that would have sat really badly with him. So I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to absolutely flourish at Brisbane. He'll be another Brandon O'Neill at Sydney, what he's doing. So it'll be very, very, very interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure how true the rumour is that Jack Rabbit's limbs were in three days of mourning when they found out that uh, Taggart was going to be leaving Perth. <laughs> but the, the thing with the thing with Taggart, I guess, is is just we are worried about what he's going to do when he goes elsewhere, especially because he's staying in the league. If it was exploring an overseas opportunity, you'd probably say, all right, well, fair enough, he was out of contract. Um, Tony Sage had a, 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 a Facebook rant that went pretty viral, <laughs> um, in a per- as viral as Perth content can go. Um, on on Facebook, yeah, about about the whole thing. Now, um, Sage's point was was about you know Brisbane Roar announcing it before Tiger told the club, and we don't know who did what, and I don't particularly care. The thing for me is that um, Glory only signed Adam Tiger to a one year deal because he was injury prone. So, and yes, they did work hard to get him fit, and he did some work himself with uh, with the Helix Performance Group and got himself back to being able to play. Um, but if a club is only prepared to give you a one-year deal because they think you're an injury risk and you prove to be an injury risk, they'll bin you off. So there's no loyalty from a club when it comes to injury-prone players. They sign you on a short-term contract so you prove yourself. Now, he proved himself. There's a deal on the table, apparently, to make him the highest-paid player at the club, and he decided to go elsewhere. That's how contracts work. I, I don't have any... Um, ill will towards Taggart and I don't think any of the players do because they're all on the piss and Bali together at the moment <laughs> so he's, he's obviously not uh, being ostracised <laughs> from the from the Glory group um, so the, the reality is yeah the Glory if, if Taggart hadn't been able to prove his fitness this year Glory would have turned around to him at the end of the season and said sorry your contract's up we're not re-signing you so if they could potentially not show that amount of loyalty to a player if a player gets a better offer or an offer they prefer to explore well then good luck to them yeah, 100% agree. I just, um, if you listeners haven't seen it, there's a photo going around, and uh, pretty much all it needs is Mark Warren rocking up on a motorbike and with his speedos as well. So there's something for the, um, for the ladies. For the visuals. Yeah, Donna's been looking at it all day. No, I have not. Up. She's got a new phone background. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it, was a, it was an interesting one, and um, I think as you tweeted, Neil, um, there were two issues at play. One was the movement of Taggart, and the other one was the absolute spiel and rant by public rant by Tony Sage and um, it was it was nice while it lasted but there was a bit of radio silence there from from Tony for a while and I think uh, with respect um, it's it's not helpful to come out with these public rants as the owner no I, I did see some people saying oh it's his private it's his Facebook page you can do what he likes without having it go public well if you don't want it to go public put your Facebook page on private you know yeah, it's in the public domain it's not it's, it's hide there. the post it's from there. the public it's there so it's... we all saw it um, the whole of Australia saw it everyone laughed you know, as a standard yeah. with Glory, a bit of a laughing stock for, for comments that are put out there. And I'm sure there was people at the club that were embarrassed having to try clean up the mess afterwards because that's that's exactly what happened. You know, people had to go on, um, release statements and whatnot about what was going on. And it was all just completely unnecessary. Just show a bit of class. Very childish. Um, yeah. So that's Tiger gone uh, to Brisbane Roar. Um, at the moment, the players signed, and I'm open to correction. I think I, I found them all earlier. Uh, you've got Liam Reddy. You've got uh, defenders in Dino Gilbich, um, Scott Neville, Shane Lowry, Alex Grant. Midfielders, you've got Neil Kilkenny, Joel Chinese, um, Jacob Italiano, Chris Harold, and uh, Jake Brimmer. And then Andy Kell, 
as the out-and-out striker. Players out of contract that we don't know about yet. Um, Diego Castro, Xavi Torres, Nick Feely, um, Knowles, Steins, Scott Timmons, Warland from the Youths, and uh, Brandon Wilson, who I hope gets re-signed, because I think he's a, a, a very good prospect and, and worth at least another year, um, given his age and given his, his potential. So that's the squad at the moment. Um, it's about There's about half of the squad signed. So do we... Do we leave those lads in limbo now, or are we waiting? Do we wait for a coach, or what do we do with them? Because um, you know, I'm sure some of them would be would be have it, would have interest from other clubs as well, then. Absolutely, and um, you know, I'm going to post. Um, I put up today. I think it was from um, the guys at the Raw Review who um, set out a bit of a spreadsheet with the guys across the league that are off contract. Um, Personally, I'd like to see us start to bring the academy guys through, but there's guys like Joe Knowles, Cullen Simmons, Riley Wallen, Daniel Steins, and as mentioned, Brandon Wilson all coming off contract this year. Um, that's a pretty decent core of, core of lads, which have definitely have the potential to come through and, and, and make up um, a pretty decent A-League side, especially on their, their form at the moment in the NPL. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what type of coach Laurie bring in because if it's somebody who's a local, they may be more inclined to look at MPL players and whatnot. But there's a few visa spots to be used. Um, I, I haven't heard anything lately, uh, and in, that's within the last six months on Andy Kyo's status, whether he um, become the, he, he's no longer a visa player due to citizenship. So I'm not sure if that's gone through. It was his plan. So if that goes through, you've got another um, visa, spot. visa spot open. Um, which means that, if I'm correct, no visa spots would be currently be taken up by yeah, by players. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. That's so all your vis- that would open up all your visa spots um, for a new coach to come in. Now that's great. So I guess we'll um, we'll have to have to see what and way they go. Keys. Both my. Uh, well, yeah, the marquee fund is back, you know. Three million dollar war chest Spin that big. will buy you a, a toenail from Andreas Iniesta for a season. Um, but yeah, so the, look, there's money there. Um, I, I don't see Glory going wild on a marquee because um, we haven't for a while. Uh, I, I think that we're more likely just to use the visa spots and see where we go but if all the Spanish guys leave well what nationality do we go next who do we bring in where's the next uh, yeah. contingent coming from anybody got any mates that they want to well, was just just on that you know talking about visas and marquee spots it was actually quite disappointing that they didn't bring in that plus one ASC player yeah because I think that would have made a right difference to us yeah absolutely um, especially, especially considering they want to take a game to Asia well, exactly <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, yeah so there's been there's been a few there's, there's been a few names linked um Lately, and we've we've had scoffed at them rightly on our various social media channels. Uh, so we'll, we'll wait and see. It, it, it's a long off season. The players don't return for preseason training um, for another month, so um, plenty of time there. I just hope coach gets appointed soon. Tony Popovich has been touted. Yeah, Rick got um, tweeted that in the week. Um, he's usually on the mark, but he can be a little bit away from things at times. But um Jeez, I don't think too many Glory fans will have a have a no. problem with Popovich. I'll take him. I would have taken him. And I think him. he's the right because he's got a big, strong personality. I think he's the type of person to that's going to say, "Look, I do things on my terms. You let me do my job." And I think that's what's needed at the club at the moment. I I think so as well. Um, because I think someone like Popovich would have more of an inkling into what he's getting himself into than an overseas coach, um, who who maybe doesn't know what what lies beneath. Uh, so if if uh, 
if someone like Popovich was to come in, proven in the A-League, yeah, fizzled out of Western Sydney Wanderers, but sure, that's fine. Um, part of the, and I was going to mention, the, uh, the glory four-year plan, the famous four-year plan was to, um, was to do something in the Asian Champions League. And uh, in the next four years now, we're one year, uh, we're a year and a half away from that. Popovich has won the ACL, so you know, he might be the man to, to tick that metric in the in the four-year plan. But really, I think it's um, I think it's a, it'd be a shrewd move. It's a guy who's proven in the league. He's he knows how to play in Asia, and he he was linked with jobs in the UK. Um, when Crystal Palace job came up, um, one of his previous clubs. So you know, he's got a bit of a reputation. Um, I th- I think in terms of what Glory should expect to achieve from their worldwide search, if they were to stop. <laughs> At Tony Popovich's door, uh, I wouldn't have too many complaints. I don't think anybody really would. Um, Donna, would you prefer to see someone like that or someone who, who might have come into the league with, with fresh eyes, who's not been here before? But then the counterpoint to that is they may not have worked at a salary. No, cap. I um, said when Muskie hadn't been offered an extension and Popper's name was floating around, I'd definitely take him. Uh, Great football mind, and from what I'm here, uh, from what I hear, he's really good with the younger players as well. Uh, he's very disciplined with them, and I think that's also something that the club needs. Um, let's just hope that if they do get him, he has free reign on what he has to do. Um, otherwise, if he's got restraints and he's, in my opinion, and this is no disrespect to anybody in the football department, if you're going to get a new coach, and I think he should have the chance to bring in his own assistant. It shouldn't just be whoever was there previously. Oh, I think, yeah. And that has nothing to Jones do with Garcia. I don't think that has anything to do with Burns or anybody there. Hayden um, Fox in the Pizza Hut outfit. Yeah, <laughs> and those off. socks. Um, but I honestly think that if that's the case, any coach that comes in has to have the choice of who they want. And hey, he might keep them on. Um, that might be his. That's, that might be what he wants. But um, I do believe that he should be able to build what he wants in that. Otherwise, he's just not going to be successful and you're just going to end up where you were this year. Ante Milicic has also been mentioned yep. how much truth there is to that, I'm not sure, but he'd be another guy who would want to do things his way, a big, strong personality. And, um, yeah, I think um, I think if, if these guys are going to come in, I think they just need to be signed and left alone to do their job. Absolutely. Without any interference um, that we have seen in the past. Yeah, for want of a better term, I don't see Tony Sage putting up the money for a marquee coach. Um, so I think we need to be a bit realistic and, and Popovich just to me ticks more boxes than, than he doesn't um, in comparison to the other potential candidates so yeah if they get it over the line I think it would be great um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see that's where we're at on the um, on the coaching side of things um, on, just back onto the players um, we've, we've we've struggled with glory in terms of a style and and fans getting behind the brand of football that's being played. Kenny was quite a 4-4-2 man um, went until his hand was forced and he didn't have any other strikers to call upon so had to play one up front. Do you think that the fans really really give a damn about that sort of thing? And if, if, if Kenny had been delivering titles they really wouldn't care if it's lumper from the back to knock down and a goal. Uh, you know, it's, it's success is success whatever way it is and if a new coach comes in and delivers that the brand won't particularly matter. It depends what success is brought. Uh, you know, um, I mean, you know, Mitch Devereux played a very, very boring style of football. You know, won, won trophies, put you know, put silverware in the cabinet, so to speak. So, um, I think the fans will be more forgiving if we are playing um, quite 
quote unquote boring football or you know unattractive football um, if there's trophies absolutely um, <laughs> yeah I think it's as simple as that yeah well, it's it's hard because we haven't had the trophies in, in recent times to <laughs> say whether we'd really care. Well, what they look like. Yeah, I well, can show you. We've got the Arno. The Arno Club is still sitting there, and if the Phoenix, if the Phoenix uh, fold, we'll be um, we'll be a proud o- permanent owners of the okay. long distance derby. Take club. a game to Asia, and that can be a new long distance derby. We're still on the search for the NSL trophies. What happened to they don't exist. Yeah, don't mention the war. It's a figment of your imagination. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look, we're going to wrap up the, the first part there. That was to, to have a chat about what's gone on in the past. And when we come back, we're going to look a little bit more towards the future. You're listening to The Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Far Post Perth podcast. Uh, as mentioned before the break, we're going to have a look ahead to the future of Perth Glory and um, where do we go from here? There's a, there's a lot of positions to be filled. Change is sometimes good um, and we're hoping that it is going to be in our favour and, uh, and fortunes can be changed. One of the, um, the hot talking points lately has been the ownership of the club um, and it, it popped up again with Tony Sage's comments about Adam Taggart's move to Brisbane Roar and off the back of that we decided to run a poll on our Facebook page and the question we asked people was quite simple would you be in favour of Tony Sage relinquishing some or all of the control over Perth Glory's future 841 people uh, were, got involved and, and cast their vote and 81% um, voted in favour of that motion and 19% against so 4 in 5 uh, of that 800 would be interested in not, not necessarily Tony Sage selling the whole club but that could that could also mean bringing in some business partners, some investors, um, because let's let's face it, Glory do get the raw end of the stick when it comes to travel expenses and hotels and, and whatever the flights they have to pay to go over east, and they do it um, much much more regularly than anybody else. Um, and he's also said that he's, he's losing money every year, which is is not a, a great position to be in. But he does it for the love of the game, and nobody can begrudge him that. However, if Glory had to progress. I don't think that the club can continue the way it is um, because teams like Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC are are just going even further ahead of glory. You just look at the ladder and how many points ahead they finished. I, I'm afraid they can go back and confirm what it is. Um, but it's, it, it was quite a lot. Um, and I just think that if, if there, the gap is to be closed, it needs to be done with raw cash. Glenn? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, I don't think it's necessarily just the answer pure cash. Um, Obviously, the decisions have to come off the back of that cash, but it'd be a starting point. Well, that's right, and unfortunately, we've seen the same old board and the same old board members make the same old mistakes um, throughout Sage's tenure as as owner. Um, so I think that's where people get uh, you know increasingly uh, frustrated um, with the whole scenario. Uh, but no, you are right. We, um, as it stands, we can't financially keep up with cities and Melbournes. Um, we haven't got the support. We haven't got the the backing of the local community the same um, in the same way. And we certainly don't have rich um, Russian owners. No, we don't. Um, we have we have we have an Australian owner who, as I've said, has put his own money into it and put his heart and soul into it for a decade and. As much as, as some people don't like the guy, uh, personally, that's that's one thing, but you, you can't deny the effort that he's put into to trying to to make Laurie be better. I just think he needs some help and support. Um, Donna, 
what, what, what do you think Gloria needs to do? Is it a case of selling up all together, getting an Asian syndicate in and letting them loose? Or do we, um, do we take a bit more of a cautious approach? Or do we do anything at all? Um, I don't think Tony leaving the club completely is the answer, even though some people think it is. Um, but he financially does need help. That's all it comes down to is financially he needs help. And obviously with money comes better players and with better players comes better coaches and the culture may change. Um, I think people when they were voting were, weren't really voting about the fact that he's spent millions and millions of dollars over the last 10 years in the A-League um, and all the money he has put in personally um, to keep the club afloat. I think they were voting on the fact that Let's face it, he hasn't been the best owner when it comes to the way he approaches things. And I think that's what a lot of people think about as well. So do you bring someone that can work with him, that um, financially can work with him and assist him? Will that alleviate some stress on his way and maybe he won't come out with his little outbursts that he has? You don't know. But Or a CEO that can manage him as well that doesn't feel that he's holding them back. Like, I don't know what Peter's um, position was. And I know that his um, wife got a job back home and his family's all there and you always want to go back, you know. Uh, when you've got a family, you want to be at home where they are, which is perfectly understandable. I know that she left quite some time ago and Peter stayed on. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I feel that someone like Peter, who's a big football mind, great you know, football brain, interacting with fans, exactly what you wanted from a CEO like him and anyone he speaks to in the Eastern States has the utmost respect for him. So to me, I think, could you bring someone in that could challenge Tony in a way and bring him back to ground zero and tell him how it is with another owner? Um, but I don't believe that he should have to give it all up. And if, and if he does want to, then you know what? Good work to him. You cannot, as you said, you cannot fault his efforts and you know what he's done for the club. His heart is in it. His mouth sometimes just just acts before he, sh he uh, should think. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's the question for me. I mean, hypothetically, does he need to have more of a bit of a, a, a silence kind of um, yep. ownership role rather than being on the board and this and that? Of, of course, you know, it's his money and he gets to make decisions Absolutely. with it. And, and nobody's begrudging anything about, about that setup. But uh, for the for the good of the of the football club, does <laughs> does he need to be? Um, kind of remove himself from those big decision-making yeah. processes well, and put the trust into into a different model. I was saying just before he had his Adam Taggart outburst, um, how quiet he's been this season. And I was like, oh, that, you know, and the last season as well, he only had a few things that he came out, but when that came out, I was like, okay, Peter's been gone for less than 24 hours and we've got this rant coming out. It's it's kind of a recycling thing, and it kind of it, it gets old. We're talking about the same thing every year. Does Tony stay? Does Tony go? Do we need a new CEO? Yes, we do. Um, should you start fresh? Maybe complete complete overhaul. Get a new owner. You get a new coach, a new CEO, and they make the decisions. But then again, um, or yeah, give yourself to the, let the FFA run things to you till they find a suitable person, and let Tony just be a football supporter. Well, there was reports that yep. um, consortiums did want to come in, yep. and Tony's yep. quoted in saying, um, "I didn't want to sell because they were looking to change the, the colours, the badge, the brand, yep. which is what have you." Um, I've spoken to people that are that fed up that it would take a slight change 
in the colours that name. Well, that was going to be my next question. I mean, as a, as a dyed-in-the-wool purple supporter, if somebody came in and wanted to change it to black and yellow and Perth United FC, and that was the, the more generic pro-evolution soccer badge that they stuck on the club, would you be, would you be that upset to lose the glory? I mean, football evolves, and let's not, let's not forget many different famous football clubs. Juventus did it. I Manchester, hate their new badge. Manchester United Manchester did it. United did you know, it. Yeah. Used to be known as Leeds City. Just yeah, from, absolutely. Know, football clubs do evolve. They evolve like businesses, and especially in runs like businesses. Especially when they're, they, they're only franchises, unfortunately. Well, exactly. That's the reality they, they're, of this not, they're not clubs. You know, you've got to remember these early, uh, absolutely. early clubs were are not clubs. They yep, are franchises. They're a franchise. Um, owned by individuals and they're not community owned which I personally I'd like to see Perth Glory become if it does go through be touted why can't we have that 5% community ownership and, and get the ball rolling even that we'll have someone like the Jets look at Laurie McKenna what he's done with them someone like that that football personality has his owners in the background celebrating the wins celebrating the pit, what goes on in the pitch and in the club rooms and loving life and then you've got someone like him who's just Newcastle was absolutely buzzing from everyone that I've spoken to, from Jets to Victory to just to neutrals. The way he's been and the culture that he's done to that club and what he's done with them as well, credit team. So maybe someone like that could come in. And again, he's probably got owners that are just sitting in the background, pouring in the cash, love football, but just keeping their mouths shut. Yeah, well, I think... And um, I don't think anyone would argue with having that here. <laughs> uh, Lee, or something, I think the guy's name is, who owns the Asian guy, who owns... Um, Jets, and yep. you see Norman Kinner posting up all the time, all the owners in town, I think I've only seen it five times this season. Yep. You know, so obviously there is much more of a silent kind of ownership role there. Nothing wrong with um, that. And then you can go to polar opposites and talk about the backeries who seem to be wanting to have their um, uh, hands in every piece of the pie at Brisbane Rural, which uh, haven't come out. So I mean, uh, we've, we've had discussions with people about, you know, local ownership, foreign ownership. No, we're not saying foreign ownership is the absolute end all and be all because we've seen football clubs get messed up around the world with foreign owners. Glory don't have. We've seen them get messed up with uh, local owners. So. Glory don't have any assets to strip, though. Well, that's true. <laughs> don't, don't, don't own the stadium. Yeah. Don't own the yeah. training ground. Yeah. You know, we're mm. going to take the gorilla. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, there's, there's really, I don't know, I, I'm just keen for, um, I'm, si- I'm sick of mediocrity, I'm, I'm keen for something, something to come in to excite us. I think it's been a, it's been a long time since uh, Glory supporters had something to be genuinely excited about. Yeah, um, well, I, think, I think it's probably, probably, probably when Galas came and that lasted about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I remember bumping into him in the Glory store and I was like, oh, hello. I think Supposed people were fairly excited when got last time. <laughs> you may look back at it now and go, Jesus Christ. But for that 24 to 48 hour period, we were very happy. <laughs> so, you know. That's all that matters. Yeah, we had our moment. But it'd be nice if it was prolonged for like a, a few months. How good would that be? Get a season out of it. But I think something needs to come into Excite Glory supporters. Uh, I, think, I think we're just going for the motions. Um, and and I think uh, the fear of change is what's driving some people. They they are afraid of what could possibly come next. But look, if it all goes to shit when it changes, you just hand back the license and start a new franchise. That's the way the league works. That's that's the way it goes. So I I'm I'm more of an advocate for change um, for the sake of of stopping um, being bored. Uh, I I'm just every every glory season we try to get a little bit of optimism going in August. And then by the, probably round four, we're going, oh, 
If we can scrape the finals. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll make top six. Set the standards. And they're not. They they haven't and they're not. Well, even for the league, they're the oldest team. How long is it? 20, 20 plus years now? Apparently the club that the A League model was, you know, based on. Correct. You know? So and you know, you speak to people from Melbourne Victory and they've said that at the start, when the, when the A-League started, they based a lot of their knowledge and the structure of the club to Perth Glory, and I'm very happy that they haven't continued, but um, th- they started that way, so what happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> we need to remember too is that the, the Perth Glory brand was going slowly downhill mm-hmm. before the start there. Yep. We need to remember Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's and this is not all Tony Sage. No, no, absolutely And not. people can't sit here and say it is. No, um, no absolutely not. But as you said, yeah, it was slowly di- diminishing. Yeah. But yeah. you've had your highs, and um, maybe just keep celebrating those for a while. You'll make top six next year. What? Top uh, six. Uh, I'm not saying top two, uh, Blaine. I, I'm not even sure about that. It's <laughs> the way things are going. Um, no, but I, I think the the bottom line for me is I just want that. Uh, I want. I think a bit of help for Sage at least. Because if he just keeps losing his two million dollars a year, or whatever, we're gonna go nowhere, and we're just gonna have the same conversations every year, and uh, we'll be we'll be running these um, and uh, this end of season analysis in the exact same fashion. If if it can, if nothing changes, then we'll just re- we'll just re-upload we'll just the ne- the same podcast next year. We'll just edit the coach's we, name. We want to do it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, insert, insert coach here. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where I think. Anyway, we've got what we, I think we've got uh, friendly coming up in July against Chelsea. That's that's pretty important. Um, I think it's even more important now with all the stuff that's gone on because Dory have been in the news lately. Uh, obviously, with the CEO going, new coach. Will we have a, it's it's two months until the Chelsea game. Um, how soon before then will we have a coach with his feet under the table? Uh, will he have signed players by then? Um, players will have a month of preseason into them, um, and and that that game is probably going to get a fair bit of attention because it's at the new stadium. So it's going to be the first football match at the stadium, isn't it? Is Correct. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. First yeah. football game at the stadium. Uh, I've been to the stadium now a couple of times, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, so I think we'll we'll get a bit of coverage out of that as well. So yeah, if if, if Gloria are a bit of a basket case heading into that game, it's not really good for PR, especially when you're trying to flog memberships for the upcoming season. So fingers crossed they have their their house in order by then and and can put out a decent squad with a new coach and with a with a bit of direction. So um, I think that would be really good. We've now got a um, a long off season because they're pushing out the start of the 2018-19 season um, and we're also going to be incorporating the international breaks that's been spoken about but we've got uh, we've got five, basically f- the best part of five months now from now on it's a long time to have but uncertainty the FFA Cup oh, the, the, FFA World Cup? the FFA Cup which went so well last year with a first round defeat to Heidelberg yeah you know um, could make a grand final and play away again why not it's football what are you complaining about? <laughs> you have yeah. the World Cup, and then what's next? Well, definitely looking forward to the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup finishes in July. That, and then you got Chelsea, and then you got kind of nothing. A couple the... of pre-seasons against a couple of NPL sides. Yeah. Yep. Might have a trip to Malaysia. Yeah. Getting your hopes up there. <laughs> One match against an A-League side, and 
season starts again for you guys. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be a long, it's gonna be a long, long, long off season. Yeah, um, yeah it is. But that, I, I, I just, I just think we need to get someone in as soon as possible, and that that includes goes for CEO role as well. Okay, um, that is plenty of glory stuff uh, for now. Um, so well, let's let's move on to the the league in general, and we're, we're really going just kind of focus on the A League Grand Final because most things have been done to death elsewhere. Um, I will just before we go to the grand final mention the semi final between Victory and Sydney FC, which was outrageous for so many reasons. It was it was pure comedy theatre, and uh, I really enjoyed the, the 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 state that people got themselves worked in <laughs> into during that game. Most notably, the two Victory coaches who decided to run onto the pitch and commit assault and get suspended for the final, which is brilliant. But the final that was that was great. As if that wasn't a how long did they get? Three they got a miserable four games, wasn't that's, it? Yeah. That's, that's shocking. If you did that in local leagues, you'd get a year. Oh, no, at least. Any other sport? Yeah. Football West would nail you to the... Ma- oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. you, you no, would go down with Football West for that. Yeah. 100% agree. That's a terrible outcome. Yes, they, they should have got way more. But they did have to watch the final from the stands, and both con- uh, conspicuous by their absence when the VAR was cut. Uh, I'm not pointing <laughs> fingers at anybody. But victory got over the line, uh, 1-0 against the Newcastle Jets. As mentioned, the controversy, controversy all centred around the VAR, which apparently cut out for 30 seconds. Blaine, you made the point that why couldn't they just turn around and look at the TV for the replay? Yeah. Well, considering Fox Sports show it 100 times. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> just, why couldn't they turn around? Just press rewind. Yeah. It's not that hard. I, I 100% agree. I was actually um, uh, listening to the Fox Sports podcast the other day, and Adam Peacock said exactly the same thing. He just said, where's the bloody common sense? You know what I mean? It's on the big screen. It's... Uh... It's there in front of you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree. Uh, 100% agree. It was shocking. Um, and they admitted that they got it wrong, but I mean, that's um, but why know, a consolation that? for Newcastle fans and, and, and football in general, really. No, nah, look, the VAR has been a massive uh, bone of contention for the whole season. Um, and I've, I've made the point to death that I don't agree with it uh, in the sense of um, humans um, making judgments of footage where it's an interpretation. Mm. The, the only the only technology that should be implemented is where Goal it's cut and dry. Goal line, did it go out for a throw in, did it go out for a corner. Stuff that is, is cut and dry. That's offside. that's all I do. Offside's cut and dry, isn't it? Mm, it can be open to interpretation. Yeah, if I agree. whether a player is interfering with play and whatnot. So they've convoluted the James Donicky's, you know, white hair sticking out. Yeah, but they've convoluted the offside <laughs> rail so much now that it, it's probably a bit more difficult. Back in the day if you were if you were in an offside position, you were offside, whether you were interfering with play or not. Yeah, sure. So it could have been it could have been implemented then. Uh, I just think this is this is just re-refereeing, which is exactly what we we're told it wouldn't do um, beforehand. So VAR aside, Donna, you you got over the line, beat the team that finished top in the regular season, and beat the team that finished second in the regular season. Um, time, to, to great time see. to be alive, to be a victory supporter. Beat Adelaide, beat Sydney, beat the Jets. Didn't think we'd beat the Jets, to be honest. And to to be perfectly honest, we it was a really crap game. <laughs> um, it was the Jets, in my opinion, were the better side. They couldn't get we parked the bus in a way, um, but it wasn't the best of game from Victory at all. And but it just goes to show, um, you know, during the season, towards the end of the season, there were Victory supporters calling for Muskie's head. They they were, just, they were done. And it, it makes me laugh because we say this was one of our worst seasons and we still finished fourth and made finals and beat the top side and then beat, beat the second best team um, this season. So, over there, that's why. Yeah. 
where we, I'm where, happy. Where do we sit with, with, with this? Uh, obviously, you know, Melbourne Victory won the grand final. They finished in fourth. What was it, about 10 points behind Sydney? Yep. And yet they still get the, the biggest trophy in Australia. It doesn't see. It, does, it just doesn't. Sit oh, I understand. Here. I don't think it should be top six. I, I love the. Fi- I love finals football, and I don't know if that's just they me being. Twenty three points behind. Yeah, it was ten points behind oh, um, the Jets. The Jets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sydney ran away with it, but and we scored all the goals. Just to bring it back to reality, Sydney um, recorded twice as many points as Glory did. <laughs> yeah, they finished on what sixty points. Sixty four in comparison to thirty two. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Happy. Fourth trophy, two for Muskie. He's been with all of them. I'm not going to complain. Everyone's having a la la, you know, blaming victory. What do we have to do with it? We yeah. just we just scored the scored the scored the soft goal. And I think finals are rubbish. I think finals are rubbish. I always have, but unfortunately, those that Australian. drama that drama in the semi final and the final has really gone against my argument. I'm annoyed about it because uh, that's just got people saying, "Oh yeah, keep finals have to stay." And then we've got the, but then TV ratings were down, and there was a lot of complaints about the game being on a Saturday night, and we need clear air and whatnot. And then there's talk of sticking it back onto a Sunday. Now, Ugh. I think that's the worst thing because, oh, look, I'm I don't I don't, I'm not from Fox Sports, so I don't give a shit how many ratings they get. Mm. I th- I'm I'm more concerned about away supporters, and yeah, you know, I saw some victory supporters saying, oh, well, if it was on a Sunday, we'd have work on a Monday. How do you think? Perth people felt yeah, when they had to yeah. go to Brisbane in 2012 and leave. If there was extra time, if there was extra time in that 2012 grand final, I wouldn't have been able to stay because I would have missed my flight. Yeah, yeah. And I had to get back for work, so I, I had to leave. Like, ju- as, the, as soon as the final whistle went, I left the stadium. I didn't even have time to digest what had happened, and I was on in a in a taxi on the way to the airport, and I was on a flight with a load of miserable Glory fans who knew that they were flying back, having lost in the last minute, probably going to get feck all sleep, and then it's be up for work on the Monday morning like that was a complete misery <laughs> at least if it was a Saturday night final and we lost we could have gotten the piss yeah. properly yeah. drowned our sorrows and then gone back on a Sunday and then probably been in a state of, of yeah. okay to, to go on Monday moving it back to a Sunday is ridiculous Sunday 6 o'clock Eastern it's just stupid from a, from a, from from a, a lady production point of view anyway just from the aesthetic you look at it, wouldn't you rather have the whole town absolutely buzzing because there's more people there, the stadium are absolutely filled with away fans and home fans and what have you, the noise. It's you know, a no-brainer. Well, that's the thing. If it's a Sunday, if it's a Sunday night at six o'clock and the game finishes at eight. And people are for work the next day. They're not going to go for a few beers no. afterwards. You're not going to get that spillover of atmosphere. Even if you've won, yeah. you, you might go out for a drink or two afterwards. But a lot yeah, of people have responsibilities um, the next day and yeah. have to go for yeah, work or whatnot. So, and, and like, do you think, could you imagine if, if um, imagine the uproar if there was, uh, if, if Glory got to host the final and it was a Sunday and it was a 4 p.m. kickoff to make it 6 p.m. Eastern. Mm. Imagine it was against Victory or Sydney FC. I'd like to come to Perth for a Sunday at four o'clock kickoff. The sense of entitlement that'd be coming from over east. No, it needs to be moved back. We have to go to work. That's what you hear. Hypothetical is great. Yeah, I know. Gloria never. Gloria never hosting a grand final. I am joking. I am joking. No, we've got the new stadium now. You may host a grand final. May not be your grand final. Have the facility. If you guys win and get to a grand final, you may be able to host. Not a chance. Why? How would it be any day of the week? Not a chance. That's why I'm so glad they didn't take that and, and 
at and NIB. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not like Amy Park. Newcastle's away from yeah. down Sydney. Yeah, I guess. If you, if you oh, no, it, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If you okay. win it, you get to host it at your home ground. But the FFA make ticket money after finals. So you know. the FFA. They also showed Melbourne Victory freaking batters at a Sydney FC yep. home uh, semi-final who got there fair and square and played all the Melbourne Victory stuff. It shouldn't be like that at all, surely. What are you crying about? They showed Sydney stuff too. Yeah, I know, but they shouldn't be showing you. They shouldn't it's not be showing you. It's going to be a neutral venue. They shouldn't be showing the away stuff, surely. Nah, they shouldn't. But Gloria aren't making a grand final anytime soon. Exactly. So, so it's just uh, hypothetical. It's, it's hypothetics. Um, but yes, victory did win uh, the toilet seat um, despite finishing fourth, and that sets them up nicely. Sydney FC are going through a bit of change at the moment. With Graham Arnold obviously leaving, and, and they've uh, lost a few players now already. Um, confirmation of Luke Wilshire and Geordie Boyce have left. Today as well, so... Um, yeah, we'll shoot to Wollongong Wolves. Apparently so. Mm, interesting um, stuff. So, yeah, look, there's going to be change. This, it's this time of year, the, um, the merry-go-round is in full swing with players uh, heading from one club to the other, and we'll see who gets off in Perth over the next few weeks. Um, I think that's pretty much it. We've vented, yeah. ranted, made very little sense at times. But uh, but there was a lot to get through. It's, if, you th- if you think back to where we were a month ago in, in the Perth Glory world... It's it's completely changed, and some people might see that as being exciting. And um, we've got a new coach, new CEO, new players, but then other people will look at it as well. Those decisions are being made by the same old. So it's it's a, it's a case of glass half empty or glass half full. Blaine, how's your glass? Uh, it's half empty at the moment. I gotta admit, yeah, it was uh, pretty bit demoralising into a to a season. Donna, I'm happy. Mm, shut up. My glass is, no. uh, is very, very low at the moment, um, partly because, yeah, we finished 8th, 8th out of 10. Like, who finished below us? Remind me. Wellington and the Marangers. Two absolute rabbles of clubs that are not going anywhere. And one of them might not even be there next year. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I don't think it's any, any achievement to finish above those two. Um, uh, Just on that, where, where do you guys sit on on Wellington Phoenix? Are they are they taking the spot of someone who could be an Australian club? If, that if you're going to get rid of the Phoenix, you must replace them immediately. I don't want them to bring in another two teams and then we've got an uneven. Well, have a buy, yeah. Yeah, so that idea I don't like. Uh, again, with the Phoenix, I don't know what it is about them. Are they mismanaged? I don't know. They, they had Ernie Merrick who has proven what he can do with a team when he has the backing of a good CEO and good players. So either they need to, they've lost quite a few, this year they've got quite a few players out yep. of contract. So I think the only one that really re-signed was Krishna. Yeah, Krishna's on for another year. He's, he's um, on, so maybe they can rebuild around him. Oh, uh, look, I, I just, I, I think we need to be gaining teams, not losing them. Yeah, so 100% I, 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 I'm fine. If the decision is made that the Knicks stay, great, keep them, because I, I want us to go to 14 teams as soon as possible. Uh, I don't really Agreed. care where they come from at, the, at this stage. I'm, I'm just bored of seeing the same teams play each other so many times. Yeah. Like you can play, you can play a team five times in a season if you get them three times in the. Um, in the league, you get them in the finals, and you get them in the FFA Cup. So you could play, you could play the same team five times. Awesome. Uh, that's uh, I'm bored of that that sort of scenario. So I want, I want freshness. I want there was there's talk of expanding and then reducing the amount of rounds, which would be catast- catastrophe. Uh, ideally, look, the finals are going to stay, whether I like it or not, as much as I want them binned. But if they are going to stay, I want them reduced to four teams in the finals. Uh, ideally, my long term goal will be 16 teams, four teams finals, and two teams go down. 
that's what I would like to see uh, uh, long term because you've got battles at the top and battles at the bottom um, and it, it'll it, people go on about teams teams getting bored and having nothing to play for towards the end of the season well there's teams in the Premier League between 8th and 14th that have pretty much nothing to play for for the last two months but that's just football you mm-hmm. deal with it and you go again next year and you try and be the best you can so um, this whole this whole thing of teams being need and fans being needed needing to be entertained I guarantee if the Central Coast Mariners were in a 16 team league and hovering around the 11th place with no danger of relegation their fans would be absolutely buzzing because that to them would be a successful season yeah. you look at somebody in the Premier League like Brighton staying up Mm. that to them is a successful season do you think their fans are bored when they're going to beat Man United 1-0 and yeah. towards the end of the season to, just to yeah, stay in absolutely. the league no they're not bored at all yeah. so when you when you talk about what, what would be left if you had a 16 team league if, if you took away some of the final spots and you only had a couple of relegation spots what do those team in the middle, teams in the middle do well they have personal goals they want to be the best teams that they can be and the best players they can be and, and that, that is more than enough for a lot of teams so yeah for me 16 teams 4 finals 2 down I think if the finals are supposed to stay off I, I think I'd like to see it as a totally separate competition to the A-League yeah. when you finish and leave no dramas but you shouldn't be taking away the, 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 the fact that you've won the 27 game season yeah, that should have the biggest trophy that should have the yeah, biggest, biggest prestige and, it should be yeah. you know, prestige emphasis put, thrown on it not the grand final not, not, not for a you know um, no. a five game cup especially if you do go to six, if you went to 16 teams and you played everybody twice that's a 30 game regular season um, and then if you did a, say four finals you're only playing two games of finals should a two game final mm. series outweigh a 30 game regular sure season not. absolutely not no. no I agree so that's a long term goal uh, I don't think it's happening anytime soon but uh, yeah in regards to the Knicks if, if we're, if we're going to lose a team we're just going to replace them with one team and we'll just continue with 10 because yeah, we aren't getting three teams in. If you lose the Knicks, you're not getting yeah, three right. to make it 12. So, let's just keep them for now. Interesting, some of these ones that are coming out for Mount City. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. I've, yeah, I've, uh, I've no idea what's going on with them. No. We'll have to wait and see if there's a bit more depth to it. I mean, it's nice in theory, but they're going to play out of NIB Stadium, apparently, because it's the only... No, I don't see, yeah, that's... Um, it's the only LA compliant ground we have. So yeah, I think they should start trying to move in on Fremantle Oval. Imagine match days at Freo Oval or something like that. They'd have the whole town buzzing. Yeah. Fremantle Doppers of pretty much the Fremantle hanging when we moved to COVID. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's to be uh, determined. I guess next time we come back and do a podcast, there might be a little bit more on that, and we may even know which teams have been... Um, have been well, have taken the lead in that process. But for now, we were meant to wrap up a few minutes ago. But we, <laughs> we got distracted. Um, I hope you enjoyed the bonus content. Uh, yeah, so thanks, Blaine, for chat. Yeah, Neil, thank you very much, guys. Donna? No worries. Cool. Uh, you can follow us and check us out on all them social media channels that the kids use these days. We've got, we're at Far Post Perth on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, thanks to the Daily Football Show, as always, for their support. Uh, you'll probably see some stuff from us on there during the off-season. Um, a few articles and whatnot when things start to to, to, uh, to be a bit more clear in terms of Perkalori's future. But thanks to everybody who's listened um, to us over the past season. Uh, for everybody who's interacted on the social media, keep that up. It's been great. Uh, the more coverage for football in WA, the better. And then we look forward to talking to you over the off-season.